You're listening to The Current, the podcast where we discover the stories behind people. People who we know, people we want to know, and people that we swim with. It's hosted by me, Nathaniel, and the co-founder of Swim Dem Crew. I'm a writer, a researcher, and many other things. And me, Shakir, I'm a Swim Dem Crew member. I'm a lover of travel, books, history, and food. Welcome to episode two of our show. So, for the first part of every show, we interview someone we know. Someone we want to know, or someone we swim with. So for our second episode, we're delighted to be joined today by Rabia. Rabia is a scientist by day and a DJ by night. She recently joined Swim Dem Crew and it's been a pleasure getting to know her so far. So I'm really looking forward to finding out a little bit more about you today. Welcome, Rabia. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. So let's start with, you can just start by telling us a little bit about where you're from. Where did you grow up? Well, I was born in Homerton Hospital. Uh, and I grew up in pretty much Hackney and then Islington and I've lived in North East London most of my life and yeah I'm Hackney born and bred and I've seen gentrification yeah. <laughs> happen mm-hmm. and yeah East London. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about the changes that you've seen having like, grown up here? To an extent it's been beneficial in the sense that the area is a lot safer but then at the same time, it's like I can barely afford to live in my own ends, mm. which is kind of hard because like I don't want to live anywhere else. So I'm gonna ha- I have to like work harder just to stay local. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a bit annoying. Yeah, is that one of the reasons you decided to become a scientist? Yes. Well, I thought there was money in it, but not quite. <laughs> not quite unless you have a PhD <laughs> or band six, but that takes time. Yeah. I thought there was a lot of money in science, but you actually have to work very hard to just um, a decent amount. But um, yeah, no, I you was always you have to work hard to get lots of money. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, Rabia wants to not work hard. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Don't we all? <laughs> yeah, no, that's the dream. Like, I was like, I always enjoyed science at school, and I thought, oh, I'll study it. And then, so I did biomed at uni, and that was interesting. A lot of experiments. Biomed, can you can you explain a bit more about what that is? So biomedical sciences, so that's just learning about like molecular structures, a bit of chemistry, biochemistry. And my course was heavily based in ecology and I don't really like plants. They're boring to study. <laughs> I think they're they're lovely to admire but not to study. Like <laughs> yeah, like plant cell structure. No. So you're not doing anything to do with plants anymore? Um, no, I'm right now, I'd say my speciality is pharmacology and um, drug development and drug like metabolism and what happens to humans when they take drugs and it goes wrong. That's my specialty. And um, I'm getting into now cancer research and clinical research. So I'm learning a lot, doing a lot. Brilliant. Um, um, how did you get into DJing? Okay, so... Because it's very different to yeah. the day job, and I'm sure you're probably the only DJ building at work. <laughs> so, um, during my undergrad, I went to, like, a really sort of middle-class uni, and the music that, that they always used to play was just crap EDM, and, yeah. like, weird electro electronic music that I've never heard of before. And I used to just complain a lot about it to my friends. And they were just like, oh, you have such like good music selection. Why don't you DJ? And then one day I was like, okay. So um, I just went on eBay and like ordered a controller, which mm. is like portable decks. 
and I when I first got it, like I didn't know what any of the buttons do. I had to call someone to my house just to turn it on because I, I didn't know. <laughs> Literally, it was so embarrassing. And then yeah, now I can like play on vinyl and CDJs, and it's like, yeah, I just I never thought that I'd still be DJing after uni, mm. but here I am trying to be a scientist and trying to DJ. And it's going really well. You were in Nottingham the other day yeah, for a night. that was fun. Played um, Cirque du Soul, which is um, a big music night that tours around mainly the North and the Midlands. And they do London shows. And they've got a festival called El Dorado Festival. And it's got a big lineup. And it was, like, fun DJing for them because it was, like, my first, like, proper big gig outside of London. Mm. And, yeah, but I had to go to work the next day. So I got, like, a 5 a.m. train (laughs) straight after. Literally went from the road to the station and went to work. (laughs) No sleep? No. I could not do that. I felt really hollow. I need to have my eight hours. Those were days where I used to have my desk job. I'd be really quiet and they'd talk to me and be like oh why is it quiet today I'm just like, don't just don't just please, me, please please don't yeah I can't do conversation yeah, today yeah, it's not the day for that. <laughs> and they just wait as soon as it hits five you just run I, for lunch that day I had a nap <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even eat I had a I just, nap I literally lunch. had a little I went I went to the lunchroom <laughs> went to the sofa and like just put my coat around me and just had a nap I felt good though after <laughs> so it worked <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, I, I don't think I'll be doing that again in a hurry. And um, so both of those um, fields that you work in, science and also music, they're both quite male-dominated yes. fields. How does it feel working in both those fields being a woman? Um, well, it's, you, I kind of get used to not like to being like the only uh, the only female, and especially being the only female of colour. Because like in my office, like for my pharmaceutical company that I recently just left I was the first ever person of colour like that wasn't Asian to work for them like they'd never had like a black employee before and like some of the stuff that my colleagues had said like I had I had come into work um because I was running late I came in with like my braids I sleep in Mm. And then I get to my desk, and then after a while, like, a colleague comes up to me and goes, oh, I didn't know you were South African. And I was just like, what? <laughs> literally, wait for this. What? I was literally like, excuse me? And then she was just like, you're South African. And I'm like, I've told you where I'm from. Why would you assume this? And she was like, oh, your hair, your braids. So because she had a South African friend, she just assumed that, uh, like, it was something so, like, oh yeah. my just, gosh. like, literally. I'm literally hanging my head literally. in shame for the human race right now. <laughs> I so was ridiculous. just like, I was just like, okay, I'm going to go back to work now. <laughs> and, yeah, so that was a kind of, I would call it ignorance, because it, it's not hard to just educate yourself on different mm. cultures, and you, to assume that, if you have braids, someone's South African. Oh, I yeah. still can't believe this. <laughs> yeah, so like that was the kind of environment that I was in, and mm. yeah, to be the first like I'm not even I'm half black, so to be like the first black employee ever in the history of the company, mm. that was a bit How like. How did you know that? Did they tell you? Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. Oh, like, wow. and they they literally they had either been white, Chinese, or Asian. Yeah. And then that was it. Mm. No one else. So. Did you feel a certain kind of pressure because of that? Or in, did you, or did you feel pride? Like, how did it make you feel? One thing I regret is that the office was, like, not far from Grenfell. And after, the night after, you could still see the smoke from the building. Mm-hmm. Like, we were really mm-hmm. close to Grenfell. And one of my colleagues, 
like literally said that oh now people are going to start claiming free housing what about like people who will have to pay their work and pay for their mortgages and I like turned around and I just looked at her and like I wanted to sort of be that angry black woman and snap because I had family friends who had known people that had like perished in the fire so like it was a bit too close to home and then to hear someone make such an ignorant comment like that and knowing that I'm in this workspace where I have to act a certain way not to be perceived as by as a certain stereotype. So that was like really hard. Like I literally like left office for a bit because I was so angry and I felt like I couldn't do anything without being like wrongly perceived and like wrongly viewed as like mm. and not not have the point that I'm trying to make come across. Like I did speak up and said that, you know, not everyone's like that. Like people have actually like lost everything. But I felt like I couldn't fully express my true opinion mm. and it was just having to yeah yeah really 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 bad but yeah so there were just occasions like that where i just that's like real life twitter yeah yes <laughs> wow yeah and have you so i was going to say you've experienced some of the same things whilst djing so that sounds yes. like that's like a very specific yes. uh, well when i started mm. djing at uni i do student nights i was literally the only girl only like person of color as well and like it was so hard to get taken seriously even though during my sets the dance floor was packed people would come up to me (laughs) and I remember one time this one guy had literally copied my set like song for song and the exact same order and he had the audacity to like play it next to me and I literally like had to call him out for that and Wait, what do you mean? oh my so, gosh like, you know so what, just yeah like oh. it was literally so a previous night like I had done a set and he had gone out of, out of his way to ID mm. like every track yeah, yeah. and play it in that same order that I played it mm. and then that was just really weird and it's just stuff like that where entitlement like yeah. that is pure entitlement yeah. Yeah. Like, oh no, my uni gosh rave. uni rave oh, that makes me so angry <laughs> just stupidness like that or like when you'd get a set, because it's like they're the ones that have like organised it. Like one time, like everyone got paid but me, mm. and I was like warming up as well, and just stuff like that, or like not getting like a a main slot, even though I could easily like you could fill the dance So mm. when I came to London, I sort of took a break, and then I started DJing um, for like another collective, and then again I was the only female DJ, and then. Or my, they'd like play my take all my songs and then not take me seriously. Mm. I wouldn't get paid properly, stuff like that. So then that I just got really sick of de- like all of that. So I took a break from DJing, did my masters, and then I got contacted by like an independent like record label, mm. and they were just. I, at first I was like, you know what, you're chatting shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I didn't believe you, but like I lived really close to where like the studio was, so I've, I thought, you know what, I'll give you one meeting, and then they turned out to be legit, and they're like really supportive. Mm. They when I'm busy with work, they respect that. They give me time, and yeah, the label's called O Seven Nine O Music. <laughs> plug it we've got some really sick <laughs> that's producers. amazing yeah no honestly like they've been so good to me and really helpful and like whenever I need help with bookings just drop them their email they'll mm. sort it out and they're very professional and like having come from like what I've experienced and stuff it's nice to be around like it's nice to be taken seriously and seen mm. as a professional not just some girl that 
you know is like a novelty mm. so yeah that's amazing yeah i think it shows the power of networks and also the power of communities Very which true. is a nice segue i would say <laughs> into swimming, swimming. yeah swim no specifically it's because swimming is for me dry okay <laughs> swim death yeah how do you find that about swim death well, like, I think when Swindon Master first started, like, I just randomly saw something on Facebook. Mm. So I liked the Facebook page. And then, like, a few years later, I saw some video on Twitter about, or was it on Facebook, about, like, this um, a, a, a club in America where they were just teaching black girls how to surf. And mm. then I thought, I really want to, like, surf. And then I realised, oh... I can't swim anymore. <laughs> so I was just like, oh shit, like, you know, I need to start swimming again. And like, I tried by myself and it was just really like, I was not making any progress, mm. you know. And then I remembered to swim them and I went on your, on the Facebook page and I saw that, oh, you, you guys are taking like new members. Yeah, yeah. So then like, I applied and actually got in. Like, I didn't think yeah. I'd get in. Well, it's hard. This was a few months ago, right? Yeah, this yeah, was yeah. early this year, so, like, yeah. We'll open up, realistically, probably every six months, like, new members, yeah. just because of space. Um, it was so, it was literally all by chance and really random. It was meant to be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do, you still, do you still have dreams of surfing? Is that yes, something you I still do. like to do? Like, yeah, I have to no. go Cornwall for that. Yeah, well, I think we should no, do a swim them surfing do, trip. And you could do yeah. packages in Morocco, Agadir, it's, like, really great for surfing. Yeah. 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 Well, let's, learn, let's practice here and then go to, like, the bougie places. Um... Also, with had with your confidence in like in swimming now compared to before, has there been a difference between swim them day one and where we're at now? A significant <laughs> difference. Like the first session, like I, I just couldn't go into the main pool. Like I just like was on the verge of a panic attack. Mm. And then the second session, I went in. I didn't drown. <laughs> I floated back up. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And I was like, oh, you know what? Like, this is actually okay. And then, yeah, and like, I mean, like, the fact that I'm in the deep pool is, like, such a big thing because prior to swimming them, I'd never been in um, a three-meter pool. Like, I've never, I'd never been in a pool that deep. So, yeah, and, like, even today, like, when I had to unexpectedly swim for the shoot, I was actually, okay. I was gliding, like... <laughs> He would have been so proud. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, for those that don't know, people like he drills certain aspects of swimming into people. We have a very different <laughs> teaching style. Um, I'm like I'm like the marathon kind of approach to swimming. It's a long process. He's like, no, do this, and you'll be swimming by the end of the within an hour. <laughs> <laughs> has has worked though. Mm. But for me, I think I don't know why. I just I find it so scary. And um, yeah, like. It, it's like something where it just I'm like working on where it's like a mental block and I'm slowly, slowly getting there. But since joining Swindon, like I've made significant progress and I'm really happy about that. I'm thankful. So, um, and a quick note about Swindon, what do you think of the people? I think it's like, because before I joined Swindon... Especially when you look at your work environment <laughs> and DJ. I know, right? Yeah. Before I joined Swindon, like, I was literally going through such, like, a rough, rough time. Like, there was just all sorts of things just going wrong with life. And then, so it felt really weird to be in, like, such a positive community. Mm. And it, I found that just really nice how everyone generally cares about each other. Everyone's so welcoming. Like, I've, I've been part of Swindon for a few months, like, 
like a couple of months and it's like I already feel part of the family mm. like no one's ever made me feel like excluded or you know that I'm not welcome it's just been like positivity throughout like a proper community which is really nice because you don't really get that much anymore no yeah I have to agree with you on that one I think it is an amazing group of people and it's um really exciting for me starting to get to know them even better through this podcast which is great <laughs> yeah, I'm all the time. yeah it's nice yeah there's a I, I love the fact that everyone has lots of different layers and lots of different things mm. going on that what you might see at first like face value isn't the extent of a person yeah. and I think that's true of everyone there's so much more to just what you think you know from looking at someone first off for instance, you might see someone with braids and think, ah, oh, all South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my days. I still can't get that. Honestly, to this day, I do not understand oh, where she goes. Wow. I understand what this <laughs> Now, before we go on to anything else, I really want to talk about the fact that you're a twin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't leave that out. Yeah, yeah. We were talking so... about this off mic and... <laughs> Like, Shut up, stop talking, we're going to talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> so, I've, so from a young child, I've been obsessed with twins, mainly because of Sister Sister. That was my favourite Which show. was so good. I used to ask my mum all the time, I was like, please, 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 just tell me, is there actually my twin sister out there that you just haven't told oh. me about? She's like, no, I definitely know for sure there was no twin. And I was like, no, why? Like, that was my dream. But um, you said something really to me funny earlier that you were like I was like what's it like being a twin you're like it's normal because it's I've normal. always been yeah. a twin <laughs> <laughs> like every time I get asked that question it's yeah, just like it's, it's nothing special <laughs> it's so normal like just having another half like she's just yeah like I love my twin we used to fight terribly like terribly like we'd have to be I remember we had to be separated once because like it just got too physical <laughs> but now like I think the fact that we've like matured and she got ever since she got married and like had a child like we've become uh, closer than ever which is really nice and like oh when my nephew accidentally calls me mom or mama the first time oh, that's so cute. the first time he got so upset he just laid out on the floor like and cried what, was he just confused yeah, yeah he was really confused oh. he just cried and i was How like what was he, he was he was two and then i think it was a about six months ago like my sister goes to him like riyadh um, does me and auntie look the same? And he's like, yes, yes, they, yes, they Like, it's as if he's been waiting for someone to point it out all his life. It was so cute. And, like, oh the God. other day, like, he just grabbed my face and, like, looked at me and then, like, put it back and was just... I know, he gets really confused. And even at her wedding, despite the fact that I was not wearing the white dress, people were coming up to me and saying, congratulations. Oh, that is Which so was, funny. I was just like, okay... Thanks, but... Congratulations for my twin. Yeah. <laughs> and when we were in year seven, we um did an April Fool's where we just swapped lessons. So, like, mm. yeah, we did play, a, like, a trick once. That's the thing. I always wanted to do the tricks. I thought that'd be so fun. <laughs> I saw a picture where someone was um, like, hungover one day and um, they sent their twin into their high school photos. <laughs> so it's like one guy's so like really looking fresh. Really, one guy's really smiley and the other picture just, he doesn't no, smile. So that's... Believe, like, we used to get like these paper lunch cards and like mine was Raju's picture, who's my twin, and then her one was also her picture. 
So like I didn't exist for like year eight because they had used oh, both her pictures. Oh, so I was just so like, good. yeah. Wait, what is your sister's oh, name? Okay, blame my dad, but her name is Radia. So it's like my name but with a D, and it that means... is confusing. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. We've got the same initials. You feel shouting it like. It's like her name means content, and my name means like the season spring. Oh nice. Yeah. Cool. Content of spring. Brilliant. Cool. Well, thank you, Rabia. Um, So now we're into the portion of the show when we can catch up on what we've been reading, watching, and listening to. Oh, so I'm still reading Between the World and Me. I'm halfway through now. It's. It's. I feel like it's going to change my life. Like people, every time I mention I'm reading it, people are like, oh my God, like I read that book and I cried at the end and I'm like, is there a twist or something? So it's like, I'm eager to finish it, but it got quite heavy. So I had to take a pause. Um, which is a good segue because I went to the Radical Book Fair a couple of weeks ago. There's basically a lot of left-wing bookstores and publishers are there with good books, essentially. Um, especially considering like, the latest news about that. That lady was complaining about diversity and stuff. I won't mention her name. Um, so yeah, there's a, a bunch of different books there. I took pictures and made a like, thread on Twitter of all the books that I wanted. Someone actually reached out to me, one of the writers, and was like, oh, do you want this book? Because obviously you're not working or whatever. Rare, rare. And so they bought it for me. And the person that was selling it sold it to them at like, book trade price for the fair, sent it to my house. It's an anthology on anxiety. Oh my god, um, that sounds so good. Yeah, so I'm really forward to getting into that. Um, it's by Free Cups Publishing. But what, while I was there, there was also a, like a little zine bit. So Gowden were there. Gowden's obviously an annual magazine uh, written for and by um, women of colour. Young women of colour, like, they're like a big tie-in as well. Um, so they were there, and next to them was these guys from a company called Consented UK. Now, I actually, I actually have a lot to owe them because I went to a workshop about masculinity with them maybe two years ago now. And that's where I met a guy called Jordan who volunteered at Great Men, who told me to come down and I've been volunteering with them since. Um, long, long and short of it is I volunteered working with young boys over to quite a manhood in schools and consented, kind of gave me the push to do that. What they've been doing lately in schools is have this thing called Consented Club where it's like a essentially an after school club for like college age kids and then sixth form and stuff um, talking about colonialism, race, gender and just debunking a lot of things and after working with the kids for six months they put a magazine together called Consented Youth so it's about 85% of it is all produced by the kids so um, essays, uh, illustrations, amazing. posters and the rest of it is actually from teachers so teachers talking about teaching American history and stuff in classes and the results that that's brought about for kids. So um, I've t- I took a break from Between the World and Me to start reading that. I'm nearly finished with that, but I highly recommend it. It's really, really good. Um, and look forward to what they're doing. What about me? Yeah. Sorry so <laughs> yours was, like, what I'm going to say next seems really, like, basic. <laughs> <laughs> So I do, so I tend to like switch between like more in-depth, like brain using books and then I do like light fiction. Actually, no, I'm being mean. So what I'm doing is I'm rereading the Northern Lights trilogy by Philip Pullman 
because I'm waiting to, well, I want to read his new one, which came out earlier this year or the end of last year, Book yeah. of Dust. So I'm on to the final one, um, The Amber Spy Class, and I love it. It's, yeah. Oh, that's young adult fantasy. <laughs> Wait, have you never reread a book? Have you never reread a book? You've never read it? I've never read Oh my gosh, okay, right. I've never reread. I know people do it. I reread books because, well, some books are just amazing. Mm. Sometimes you also forget things. And, like, there is always, there's a lot more to see in a second reading. So I had read these maybe when I was, like, 15. And they're really quick reads. So this is, however many years later, I'm not going to give away my age. (laughs) But it's a really enjoyable read. Like, there's multiple worlds. There's, like, all sorts of crazy science. It's just, like, I love it. Like, maybe for the scientists and you might find interesting <laughs> I think it's brilliant but yeah so I'm reading that at the moment um but the next one I have lined up is Akala Natives because that's Ooh. just come up come out and I pre-ordered it and it arrived um a few weeks ago so I've got that lined up so I can I flip between the two <laughs> but I would recommend the Northern Lights trilogy to anyone it is a it is brilliant it's got a really strong female protagonist which is great I think mm. for a young adult fiction you know children's fiction um, it's really interesting and very imaginative and, and really cool so you're rereading something actually yeah. you were telling me the other day so it's the first of um, Maya Angelou's biographies I know mm. where the um, cage bird sings and mm. this book like I really look up to her because she's such a strong like inspirational woman like the stuff that she went through she had an amazing life and like full of like tragedy, tragedy, uh, tragedy, unfortunately, <laughs> but also like she, the way she met like all these amazing like significant artists and musicians throughout her life. I just yeah, I really look up to her. And I, I just find like reading about her life really interesting, and I just thought why not reread mm. that again mm. for a bit of inspo. I <laughs> actually reread I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings about six months ago. Partly because I thought, like, I do think she's incredible and it's really inspiring, but also because I realised I'd read it so long ago that I couldn't remember the details. And rereading it was just so shocking and Maybe I upsetting. don't reread things because I didn't read when I was growing up. <laughs> I didn't read that much, so maybe that's what mm. it is. Also, people like Maya Angelou, and as Rabbi uh, was talking, kind of got me thinking, you know when people are those once-in-a-generation type people, people like Prince, uh, we mainly yeah. think of it in yeah. entertainment. But when they're like great writers and activists, do you think they know that they are this one of a kind person? No, no. Because it's because I guess they they don't perceive their work in the way that we do. Mm. Like, as yeah, I I guess unless they're you know really egotistical and not that great, <laughs> <laughs> but you know yeah, like sure. I from her her writings, her essays, her poems. She was just real. Like, mm. it was apparently she was the reason why, um, what's that comedian? The, Dave Chappelle, mm. like, went away to to Africa and, like, just oh, quit his job because she had said something to him. Mm. And, like, that made him just so woke or just, you know, so... Changing. Yeah. And I felt like, yeah. And, you know, I guess um, some of the Black Panthers, like... Mm. Um, Huey P. Newton, mm. and what was the one that who was killed really young? Fred Hampton. Yeah, like Fred Hampton. If you listen to his speeches, mm. you read his work. He wasn't like he didn't. He doesn't seem older than he uh, was when he was assassinated. Mm. He's crazy. He was so young, and like if you if you listen back to what he talked about or the way he conducted himself, like he doesn't give off the impression that 
you know, he knew he was the shit or anything mm. like that. He was mm. just, he was so for the movement. He mm. was so supportive of the movement that he just didn't care about himself. Mm. He cared about, you know, justice and everything. So I guess it just depends if, on their ego. Mm. I think there's this, I think there's people who just have like, so when it comes to like writers and storytellers or poets or whatever, they just have something in them that they have to get out. Mm. Like, I feel like no matter what, even if no one was reading it, she would be writing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. And look, she didn't get discovered for a very long time. Mm. She, But she just still did her, like she just kept going despite all the hardship, mm. all the men that treated her badly. So much hardship, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and they're reading it, it's it just makes me like, men are trash, but not all men are trash. Yeah. yeah. Just lots. Yeah. Um, back to that, on um, two things, so you should, if you're listening you should um, Google the Cointel project, it's basically the details of how the FBI dismantled the Black Panthers. Mm. Um, the reason why Fred was so powerful is because he didn't actually just unite black people. He was like, oh, you lot are racist white people, but you know what? We're all working class and mm. the government's messing all of us up so we can unite along with that and that's, that's dangerous. very dangerous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. interesting. So he would, he would go to like, not necessarily clan meetings, but like, you know, into the deep south by America and stuff. And I think that that was dangerous that he was uniting working class people. Mm. All marginalised people have been united, even though they had their differences. Because he got the working class Italians, mm. or the Hispanics, they were, all had their own sort of faction where they were um, working with the Black Panthers, yeah. and like that just scared the government. Yeah, we can't have an uprising. Yeah. Wow. So is that a piece of literature you can read, or is that something yeah, you can watch? Netflix mm-hmm. about it. I think if you search Black Panthers on Netflix, it will come mm-hmm. up. There's the Black Power mixtapes, which yeah. a bunch of Swedish like documentary makers just documented about four years of the movement, mm-hmm. and it's really good. Like It used to be on Netflix. It isn't anymore. It's on YouTube. Right? Yeah, but it's on YouTube. Yeah. There's a book and the film. I recommend both. Great. <laughs> um, so that's what we're reading. So interesting. What about what, what, what we're watching? So I've been quite obsessed with documentaries, mentioning that one. Um, yeah. One that I watched recently was Fish People. Which I think I'm scared of that. Fish People, it's not like some weird science fiction <laughs> where it's like humans going around girls. with like fish heads. It is like five or six really lovely, short um, human stories about different people's relationships with water. Okay. So there's like one guy who's on a Pacific island somewhere um, who does like deep sea diving, you know, like mm. without any apparatus yeah. or whatever, like Crazy. we'll go up, we'll dive under and with one breath and walk along the bottom for like 15 minutes and catch those of fish, mm. like talking to him and kind of like following how he lives. Then there's like one story about this woman who was like the first woman to ever swim between like um Russia and America. Oh like the is it the Bering Strait? She swum the channel between English England and France. Like crazy hardcore outdoor swimming. Like at one point there's like her swimming in the Arctic with all these like icebergs and stuff and she's just in like a swimsuit. That's insane. Yeah, it's oh amazing. So it's this it's that kind of, those kind of like human interest stories that are just brilliant. There was one that I really loved as well, um, which was and I'm pretty sure because I watched a couple of documentaries in a row. I'm pretty sure it wasn't Fish People. It was um and if it's not someone can correct me. Um but it was a guy in San Francisco and he does a surf school. Mm. And he does a surf school specifically for 
um, young people who are um, have maybe had troubled lives for whatever reason. So they might be in foster care. They might um, come from you know broken homes for many different reasons. They typically are black or minority ethnic, and it's mm. just the most like watching these like young black girls, boys, like a mix of people get in the water and surf was so emotional for me because I just think it's really fantastic and special, like going back to what you were, you know, talking about. Getting in the water and that kind of amazing sense of freedom you have, like these young kids, you could just see it was making such a difference to their lives. And also the fact that he was just a figure that was there for them regularly and someone they could rely on. That's but then, actually so sweet. Yeah, it was, it was really like, it was a great little short, sort of, yeah, five or six stories I would highly recommend. Is it like a small series or...? No, it was just one short film but made up of different stories. So, Radhi, yeah. what are you? Thank you. Shakira's eyes started watering as she was talking about. <laughs> I know. I feel like <laughs> it's so nice. Oh it like that moment of them just generally being like just pure happiness mm. in the water. Kids often that. Yeah. Not so marginalised backgrounds, but when they come from a bad place, it's just happiness isn't the priority. Mm. That's very true. Mm. Which is actually, I, I did some volunteering at a private school the other day, and they had it was like an in between school, so it was from year four to year eight. Yeah. And what we notice mm, is that they kind of get to be kids a bit longer. Like, yeah. they play, like simple things like playing in the playgrounds, like they were proper playing, even though they're only eight still. So it was really... I've was never like heard the, of that before. No, I didn't no, know that was well, a thing. Yeah. It was like they obviously need money for that. But yeah. <laughs> but most really, private schools still start at year seven, like to yeah, have it was that. Really, it was really weird, but... It was kind of nice to see that they still kind of had fun. Like when I was in secondary school, you weren't playing, you were playing football or basketball or that was it, or just eating. So, you were expected yeah. to be a certain way, you weren't expected yeah, to play. it was just interesting to play, like playing cricket mm. and running around and all that kind of stuff. We just had concrete to walk around in. Playing hockey on concrete isn't the one if you fall down, saying that now. <laughs> Um, oh gosh, yeah, I'm just imagining you going round and round in circles yeah, there's, now there's in your concrete playground. Like, there was nothing to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but what are you watching as well? Um, well, because uh, I've been so busy, I haven't had that much time for TV, but I've just basically been catching up on Narcos. <laughs> because it is good, yeah, Narcos is good. I was a bit upset, like, because obviously, like, you knew Pablo was going to die, but I didn't want him to die, so I was in the <laughs> So, I want to change history. <laughs> so I, I took Ooh, a break from machine. it, but I recently like started watching season three again. Mm. It's picked up after the first three episodes. It's a bit dead, but I'm enjoying it now. Interesting. I've been on like very much a lot of crime stuff lately. Mm -hmm. I like basically it gets really intense. So I watch lots of crime stuff and then I just have to watch crap. <laughs> so I watched a horrible documentary called I think it's called 1976 or something like that. It's basically about. Um, sorry, it's called 76th Precinct. So in New York, 76th Precinct was really corrupt. So the police were just a gang, essentially. Mm. Robbing people, stealing, oh gosh. all that kind of stuff. Not documenting money they were taking, all that kind of thing. And then one guy said, all right, I'll... I'll. One guy got caught out in, by internal affairs and then it's a documentary about him. And it, it made me really angry, you know, just knowing that he was out of prison because you think about the people he's killed and mm. the, the fact that someone like that and his friends had had in the community, but they were all just... Yeah, he's over five, ten years, but the changes in, in those communities is just endless. Um, 
also watched Evil Genius. Really messed up. It doesn't seem real, but it's real. Uh, listen to a podcast about that. So really remind me about what Evil it's Genius really is based on. Is it so a true life thing? Real life, this guy robbed a bank, um, had like a note with messages like, oh, we need this much money, blah, blah, blah. He had a t-shirt on. And then uh, people said, oh, and they called the police. He had his T-shirt on, but he had like a really, it was really, looks really bulky underneath. And then takes off the T-shirt and got a bomb strapped to him. Um, so that obviously the police run away at first and they get like a parameter and stuff. And he's saying, oh, you've, he's got all these notes with this like kind of like a game things for him to do and follow. Um, and he's saying to the police, oh, you guys, you're gonna like do what they say because the bomb's gonna go off rare rare mm. and they leave it for ages trying to figure out what's happening and then it actually goes off and with him in it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so it kills him and then um, it's the whole um, the story that unravels on like yeah. how he got the bomb strapped on all, all that, that stuff it's wild it is like, so no one can stuff. see my face right now but I'm like <laughs> jaw dropped yeah, jaw dropped Oh my it god. That sounds horrendous. That's like my worst really, nightmare. Yeah, that poor so man. Oh my the, gosh. There's people like that. Just yeah. honestly, like. It's like sore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm just gonna stick to my Northern Lights right now, <laughs> which is actually quite dark in places. But I just, yeah. at least, it's not real. I can just comfort myself with that. My, my yeah, it's good. I've just been. I binged Manhunt uh, Unabomber. Again, really intense. That's based on a true story, but obviously it's a like recreation. But yeah, this guy that was sending packages and posts to people that were in his eyes doing wrong society basically mm. sounds like the plot from yeah. seven do you it's remember that really old one so with brad pitt when you look at where we are now in society and what unibom was was angry about it's kind of where we're at um Very well. but obviously you can't just send bombs to people and kill them like that's obviously not, not <laughs> um, but it's a really really interesting series it's got the guy that was in avatar from it um i hate that film yeah so it is pokemon isn't really but I thought really Avatar was fun, but I mean... No, it's just a really basic film. It's, yeah. it's too long. And I, I watch Bollywood films, I know what long it is. That film is too long. Um, but that's, and then I'm on my, like, my third rewatch of... My third re- entire rewatch of Brooklyn in my mind. So you don't reread books, but you do rewatch. I rewatch. I'm, yeah. And there's five seasons of Brooklyn in my mind, so that just... Okay. For me to be my third... Wow, so it's really good. I've never even heard of it. I recently um, rewatched the Spike Lee remake of She's Gotta Have It. Mm. I really, really enjoyed it, but some people have different opinions on it. Yeah, I need to watch the I've watched a couple of it, a couple of episodes. That's on Netflix, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd need to watch the original again. Yeah, I've heard it's not as forward-thinking, basically. No. It's very contemporary, which I think fits, because this is, you know, modern day... But I quite like it because she's like a strong, independent female, mm. even though she's seeing three guys at the same time, which is like tiring. It's yeah. tiring. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's bad. It's just tiring. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Netflix have a like, sub accounts on Twitter, and one of them's strong. They've got strong black lead and they've got strong female lead. So if you follow those, you can see what films they've got out that have strong black leads or strong female oh, leads. That's, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I'll do that. Um, cool. And yeah, you know, if you just need to, sometimes they're not on our Netflix yet, so you've just got to do a little Googling mm-hmm. and get around it that way um, to watch what you need to watch. <laughs> but yeah, those are, that's what I'm on at the moment. Cool. So. Sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> basically now, 
it's time for our Swim Them Island Discs. It's similar to like another show that also says Island Discs out there, but not our one. So you may have heard of the name, you may not have. But um, <laughs> Rabio, like, have you chosen your two discs that you'd take to Desert Island? And like, what's your first song and why? Okay, so my first song is a song called Oh Honey by The Delegations. Mm. And it's an old school, like, 1970s sort of disco soul track. And I really like it because um, it's just a really sweet like track. It's like really positive and it's just, yeah, it's really great. And um, funny story, my work leaving present. When you know people don't know you well and they have to get you a gift. <laughs> oh God, I'm just like, what is They're not going to hear this, so it's fine. I can, so <laughs> Maybe I was, they should. I was yeah, hinting, I was hinting for like rough trade record vouchers because yeah, I collect yeah. vinyl. I'm obsessed with vinyl. It's like the only thing I collect. Dangerous. I've never bought a CD in my life. I've only ever bought records. And, wow, um, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I avoided that. So yeah, so like, vinyl is life. So, yeah, so I get given my gift bag and there's, like oh, there's some chocolates, there's, like, a body shop set and then there's, like, something wrapped in, like, tissue paper. So I, op- I unwrap it and it's literally, like, some wooden, like, block thing with, like, um, some stick sticking out of it. And I was just like, oh, thank you. I had no idea what it was and apparently it's, like, a, um, a headphone stand and it's like, if I ever not needed something, oh. it, was, it was that. Because my, my headphones are foldable. They don't even, they don't even, they can't even, they don't fit on the stand. That but is like, so good. Like, the, the only thing, yeah, is that like, <laughs> the only thing that was really sweet about it was I got asked, oh, what's your favourite song? And I said, oh, it's Oh Honey by the Delegations. And then a, the quote that was like engraved on the headphone stand was um uh when uh, something about like her faith being strong mm. like and that's really fitting about my time at that workplace because i went through how i faced like racism like discrimination all sorts in the workplace and like so in order i had just had to just you know grin and bear it so like yeah that that quote was quite fitting for my time there, which Amazing. I found very ironic because it wasn't intentional. Yeah, so, yeah, that's brilliant. And that's then, so good. Um, my second song would be um, "Pyramids" by Frank Ocean from his album Channel Orange because, like, mm. his first two albums were absolutely amazing, and Channel Orange is one of my favorite albums of all time. And "Pyramids" just from start to finish, the song is just brilliant. Like the composition, the breakdown in the middle, yeah. Have you ever seen Frank live? Yes, and yeah. it was disappointing. No, no really, really? Why? What? It, it was, was disappointing. Oh, the time is never going to I am so grateful. I waited six and seven years, six to seven years for that performance. I was disappointed because he didn't mm. perform Novocaine. Yeah. He was 40 minutes late and he mm. mumbled. He mumbled. <laughs> but at least I heard Thinking About You. Mm. Fun fact about Frank and me. <laughs> so it was a man, Frank, you know, my mate Frank Yeah, so I've seen him various times I've always been like ah. Basically, there's a place called XOY It's a smallish venue And he, he was performing there once Before his album And his, you know, this is Just when he's coming up on blogs and stuff And I was obviously into him I'm like, oh, Frank Ocean's sick 
But I didn't know anyone that liked Frank Ocean. And I didn't want to go to the gig by myself. So I didn't go. And that was pretty much my only chance and opportunity to see him live. No. And I could have been like in front of him sweating Do you know what this sounds like? I mean, it's not exactly the same, but it's similar. Really my dad, his biggest regret in his life was when he was about, I think he was like 14. And his older sister was like, oh, I've got tickets to Bob Marley. Do you want to come? Wow. And he was like, nah, allow it. He wasn't from London, he was from Birmingham, he wouldn't have said that. But he was like, no, I'm going to play football or play pool with my friends. Wow. <laughs> Didn't go see Bob wow. Marley. You know the rest of the story. Wow. I mean, I'm not equating Frank Ocean to Bob Marley. They're slightly different, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> take those opportunities when you can. Yeah, don't things by yourself. Like, it's really fun. Mm. Um, I've gone to lots of gigs by myself since, because after that, after missing out on Frank and then the life I've had since I was like, no, I'm always going to go to a gig like, regardless. I, kept, I went and saw that play in Nine Night by myself oh, and yeah. I had an amazing time. <laughs> we were talking about Nine Nights on our last yeah. show. Yeah, yes, what honestly, did you think? Well, it was literally, it was the first time and the first experience I've had of like, seeing a play or something that you can fully relate to. Like each character I could relate to a relative of mine. Mm. And it was honestly just amazing. And, like, it was such a good play. Like, it had you, like, laughing hysterically. It had you almost crying at some points. Mm. And, like, to the point of, like, in my family having, like, my grandma's older sister who, like, their parents, like, came to England and never went back. And she, like, literally, mm. it was just so uncanny how I could relate to just everything about that play. And, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. Mm. I think it was mostly resounding yeah. positive vibes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, and it's opened the door a bit. There's more plays that are coming out that are um, from like a West Indian point of view, which is great. Um, so, yeah, I'm just looking forward to seeing more. There's one at the Shreds at the moment. It's called... Oh. Mind blank. Yeah, mind blank. <laughs> but it's basically like a one-woman show that's really, oh. really good. Mm. Um, I recommend it. I'll put it in the description. Yeah, perfect. Um, perfect. But yeah. <laughs> cool. Before you leave us. Yeah, before you go, tell us your favourite pool and why. Ooh, well, after today, it might have to be Parliament Hill, I do, because it's really nice in there. And like the floor is like, it's metal and mm. it's got grip. And when I was in Brock Holado, I came out of the water <laughs> and I had somehow cut up my knee. Oh my I, don't, I don't know how. Yes. Oh no. I don't know how. Yeah, you just think sure about health and safety. The pool there is rough. So be careful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Sorry, Brock Bell. <laughs> but yeah, be safe. <laughs> but yeah, no, Parliament Hill Lido. And it's really funny because I actually went to college right next door and I never went until Oh, today. wow. Yeah. yeah. I went to La Swap, so like... Oh, okay. yeah. I, so a lot of my friends yeah, went to La Swap. That was funny. Um, and it's celebrating, I think it's celebrating its 80-year oh, anniversary or something yeah. this year. Someone mentioned that to me today, so it might be a good time yeah. to check it out. Everyone I knew growing up, it was a swap, or where I went, which was Monarchs and Walthamstow, or SFX in the South. That's like the London college place. Really? For Bay people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you've been listening to The Current. Thanks for joining. Send us any questions or suggestions you have and people you think we should speak to. 
And thank you, Ramia. Thank you, Ramia. Oh, where can they find you? Okay, so like just at me at R-A-B-I-A-H underscore A-S for SoundCloud and Instagram. And if you want to book her, come with coin because she's not playing for free. Thank you. Bye.